He's letting me keep his pen. All right. Right here. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. The last letter that we have from the pen of the Apostle Paul. Who is about, who is, as he has already stated in this letter, as he's encouraged Timothy, though he is in a Roman dungeon, he's not afraid. He's not ashamed. He's steadfast. He keeps telling the truth. He keeps telling the truth. Satan does not want this to. <laughs> he just made my light bulb blow up. Why? Because he doesn't want the truth told. The simple reality is that Jesus of Nazareth is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, become a man. As the Nicene Creed accurately depicts it, true God of true God, true man of true man, authentic God, authentic man, joined together in one person. He is fully God. He is not a half man, half God. He's not a demi-God as Hercules was supposed to have been. He is fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. And he had to be that in order to accomplish the principal purpose for which he came, which was to go to a wooden altar and be nailed to a wooden altar and there upon that wooden altar to be judged in our place for our sin. The one who could authentically say without it, we can read these words without it hurting our ears. I always do those things that please my father. He could stand before his worst enemies and say, which of you accuses me of sin? And they're, they're left stammering. Because they had nothing they could accuse him of. John the Baptist testified he, that he heard the words from heaven upon the event of Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am really proud. <laughs> I'm really proud of This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I saw, John the Baptist said, I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. He is the anointed one. He is the, the Messiah, the Christ. And he did all the Father's will. Even to the point, as he's praying in Gethsemane's garden, this is God the Son. His fellowship 
with God the Father, his fellowship with God the Holy Spirit has never been broken. It's always been without restraint. It is the greatest joy of his life, which is an eternal. He is, it says in Micah 5, 2, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among all the villages of Judah, from out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler among my people. That's why the Magi were sent to Bethlehem to find him. But the last line of that verse is, who is from ever, who is even from everlasting. He is eternal God. And on that cross, that fellowship with God the Father, that fellowship with God the Holy Spirit, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was broken. And he became our substitute. He became that substitutionary sacrifice for us. He took a cross that we deserved. Except we deserve more than a cross. We deserve justice demands an eternity in the lake of fire. Unending pain because of our sins. And so because Jesus was who he is, eternal God, <coughs> fully man, and proving himself worthy, he becomes our sacrifice. He becomes our substitute. And he takes the equivalent of an eternity in the lake of fire due to the entire human race. So valuable is his person compared to the whole entire human race that he is able to bear the weight and receive the blow that would take us an eternity to receive. He can receive it all in that time on the cross between my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and it is finished. It is paid in full. That's the truth that the Apostle Paul would not back down from. He declared it and declared it and he declared it. We're going to see in the last chapter of 2 Timothy, he even stood in front of Nero and declared it. He declared it to the entire Praetorian Guard. He declared it to all the Roman leadership. He, de he declared it to Pilate. He declared it to the Jewish leaders. He declared it. and de Jesus declared it, and now Paul is declaring it. He's not backing down. He's not afraid. The worst thing that Nero can do to him is put him into the hands of Jesus. <laughs> he's not afraid, and he's not ashamed. Because he knows that his God is going to show up for him. And ladies and gentlemen, that day is coming when we are going to be standing shoulder to shoulder with our Lord Jesus Christ. And watching all those who defied the mercy and grace of God <coughs> receive what they chose to receive. that they could have escaped from. Folks, hell is real. There is a lake of fire to be fled. 
It's real. Paul isn't afraid. He's not ashamed. And he is held fast to the truth. Chapter 3, verse 1. But know this. Know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. Dangerous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. They're not only bragging about themselves, they are defaming the true and living God who is the only being in the entire creation, inside and out of the entire creation, who really has a right to boast. Who really have, cannot overstate his own glory. We've all been in the presence of people, and hopefully we're not, but maybe we were the person that really overstated <laughs> how important and wonderful they were and it starts to hurt your ears if you're hearing it it should be hurting your tongue if you're saying it about yourself but this God cannot overstate the reality of who he is the glory of who he is and these people are blasphemers they're defaming the God of glory. Lovers of themselves, oh, if only they knew what self-love would really cause them to do. It would cause them to flee to Jesus. Lovers of money, the things that are passing away. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. unthankful they receive benefits from God did you know every good gift and every perfect gift is come is from above and comes down from the father of lights the creator of the sun moon and stars who never changes the blessings on the rankest unbeliever come from God do you not know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance who is the God that so blessed me with what I do not deserve. I better find that God and bow the knee to that God. <coughs> Unthankful. When they should be thankful. Unholy. As unlike God as they could possibly be. Unloving. God is, finish it for me, love. You want to see what love looks like? Look at God the Son becoming flesh and paying sin's penalty for you. But they are unloving. They are unforgiving. Holding grudges. Slanderers. They lie about those whom they perceive as their enemies. Without self-control. They have no interest in controlling themselves, only in what's the next hit, what's the next fix. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. 
despisers of good, traitors. Instead of being loyal, they betray those whom they ought to be honoring. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What is it that we most owe God? You shall love the Lord. What's the first and greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God. And instead, they hate him. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Oh, that doesn't mean they're not religious. Oh, they may be very religious. The Jewish leadership was very religious. And yet they engineered the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, their own Messiah. having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Did you know that the Sadducees, that sect of Jews, which both high priests were Sadducees, they denied that there was such a thing as eternal life. When we die, even God can't get at us. There is no eternal life. When we die, we will die like a dog. So we're really going to be beyond the ability of God. To reach us. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. You know one of the testimonies you can make to people who are behaving this way, who are enemies of God, is you just Why are you backing away from me? Because I don't want to be standing there when the lightning strikes. That's why, friend. I will depart from you as we've just been studying in the in, in Sunday mornings as we looked at the book of Habakkuk. What does it say in Habakkuk chapter 2? Habakkuk, I want you to put as placards up in on the walls in the city of Jerusalem telling the people that I'm about to judge them. And the righteous, the just, will read the warning and believe it. And they will get out of Jerusalem. They won't stand, stay here for the judgment that I'm going to bring to fall. They're going to get out of, out of Dodge, get out of Jerusalem. The just shall live by faith. And what was it, what was the testimony of those who heeded what Habakkuk put up a, they, and their departure, they're saying to those staying behind, see you later, alligator. I don't want to be standing here when the lightning, the promised lightning strikes. That can be as much of a testimony. And why, what is it that Jesus said to his disciples when you go from into a town, if they do not receive your testimony as you're leaving, you knock the dust off of your feet. You don't even want the dust of this place that is now put itself in the place where they're demanding judgment. You don't want that, even the dust of that place on you. And that will be a testimony to them. From such people turn away. For of this sort 
are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning they are and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, we are the educated class. Yes, and I love that statement from Dennis Prager. Man, you'd have to have a double doctorate from Harvard to believe something that stupid. <laughs> we are, we have, the, so much of the United States education system is education in lies and falsehoods. You really have to sit in the propaganda mill for years and years to believe the nonsense that's now being peddled. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And when the truth is stated, they attack. <coughs> Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, Janus and Jambres, these may be the actual names of the two magicians that stood before Pharaoh. Remember when Moses and Aaron came in before Pharaoh and they said, uh, and here they had the, the rod, the staff. Moses threw his staff down and it became a serpent. And Pharaoh goes, <whistles> he calls over a couple of his magicians. They threw their staffs down. They also became serpents. And then the serpent that Moses' rod had become ate up their serpents. But it was enough that Pharaoh could, and they were able to replicate, oh, uh, the, Mo, uh, the God of Mo, Aaron and Moses just turned the Nile to blood. Well, we can take this pitcher of water, we can make it become blood. So the first couple of judgments, they were able to replicate in some way, but not f for long. As, now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these, do these also resist, resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. By the way, even Janus and Jambres, these Egyptian magicians, when it got to, I think it was the fourth or fifth plague on Egypt, they actually went into Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, let these people go because this is the finger of God. That's what the magicians said to Pharaoh. We can't replicate this. We don't have any gods in Egypt that can equal this. Let them go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and hardened his heart and hardened his Even the Janus and Jambres, the magicians, finally threw in the towel. Now, as Janus and Jambres... Janus, the, the word Jan, the name Janus means he who seduces. The word Jambres means he who makes rebellious. As they resisted Moses, so do these also. Resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. Their minds can't even work right. Men of corrupt minds. disapproved concerning the faith. They have the appearance of religion, but what do they do? 
when it comes to holding on to the truth, which is the principal thing Paul is telling Timothy to do. You were given this body of truth from God the Holy Spirit. He gave it to you through me, but it's God's truth. You hold on to the truth. These are religious, these are religious leaders, and they are disapproved concerning the faith. And in this letter, he even has named names and is going to name more names of people who had a position, had standing in the church, who have departed. So don't be surprised. I don't care who it is. You compare their message to this book. And that includes me. That includes me. And if you think I have not accurately represented what's in this book, please come to me and show me the point of disagreement. Because, folks, if I need to be corrected, I want to be corrected. If I need to be rebuked, I want to be rebuked. And any pastor, any preacher, any pope that refuses that, grab your wallet and back away from them. Stay away from them because everyone is to be subject to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And anyone who gets upset when they're approached with, and by the way, you, it may be that the corrector is wrong, but the person being so-called being corrected needs to be willing to hear it and then to sit down over the scripture with that individual so they can both be taught of the Holy Spirit. But I don't care who it is, compare their message with God's word. Because there are men and women who, when they refuse to be corrected, they are disclosing the spirit that is governing them. They are, these people are disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly. Their foolishness will be manifest to all as theirs, Janice and Jambres, also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. My manner of life Discipleship isn't just about verbal teaching and people agreeing with what is written. A genuine discipler has a life worth imitating because he is an imitator of Christ. Be imitators of God as beloved children, the scripture says. And if we are imitators of God, then we are worthwhile disciplers. You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith. You've watched me exercise faith in the face, face of opposition, long-suffering. I would dare say that Paul could probably have written a guide for the inhabitants of the Mediterranean world, a guide to what is each prison is like, because he'd been in a, most of them. Long-suffering. Love as I served people, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, 
Paul, I don't want, that isn't the life experience I want. But when you step into the presence of the Lord Jesus, what life experience will you want then? I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I sign up to be a servant. You know, my fallen nature recoils at that. But by the help of God's spirit, we should be embraced by that and embrace that. Timothy, you've seen all these things in me. The persecutions, the afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Well, Mark, you go to that town, you might be persecuted. Okay, well, let's head that way. No. You go where Jesus tells you to go. The missions conference is coming up in October. Every one of those men that will be speaking in those five events have gone to places where they knew persecution or, or possibly even death awaited them. And they went anyways. And as with the Apostle Paul, out of them all the Lord delivered them. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. No exceptions. And by the way, based on Matthew chapter 10, which is the great discipleship chapter of Matthew's gospel, what does Jesus say to his disciples? Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. For a man's enemies will be they of his own household. The normally, in the normal Christian life, the principal source of persecution is from within your own family. But he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves sons or daughters more than me is not worthy of me. Take up your cross and follow me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see, the very one the very individuals who infect other people with deception suddenly discover themselves to be absolutely bound by it themselves. And they can't, without the help of the spirit of truth, they can't break free from the lies. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. His mother, his grandmother, had both guided him in the study of the Scripture before he ever met the Apostle Paul. 
In fact, what drew the Apostle Paul to Timothy is that when he got to the place where Timothy lived, the Christians who were there said, this, Paul, we got this young man here, Timothy, that's really an outrageous disciple. And that's what drew Paul to Timothy and why Timothy became a disciple and companion of Paul. From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, for deliverance, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Why does this produce deliverance, salvation? Because Jesus shows up. Jesus isn't just remote, some remote individual sitting up in heaven at the right hand of God twiddling his thumbs. All authority, Matthew 28, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go into all the world, therefore, and preach the gospel. I will be with you. I will be with you. You're not alone. Paul is writing this from a dungeon, but he's got somebody else hanging out in the dungeon with him by the name of Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek word there is, listen carefully, thea pneustas. God, thea, God, pneustas, breathed. God whispered out every word in this book into the ears of the prophets, into the ears of the apostles. He whispered it to them, and their pens, or whatever writing instrument they used, so much so that right down, Jesus says, to the jot and the tittle, the smallest letter and the smallest part of the letter is fulfilled. Every, even God even governed the spelling. All scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine. Where do we get that body of Christian truth? It ought to rise out of this book, period, over and out. No place else. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Oh, wow, I've been mistaken. I guess I better receive correction and move in a different direction embrace a different concept or thought or understanding and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that you might walk the right walk that's the ultimate purpose of learning the truth is that you start making decisions that look like the sorts of decisions Jesus would make be imitators of God take up your cross and follow me. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that other people can stand by and quietly, hopefully it doesn't reach your eardrums. Wow. She, he, really has it together. I, I, I think Jesus would do that. I think that's the sort of thing Jesus would do.
Christian life isn't easy. It's full of opposition both from within, your own fallen nature, and without the world and the devil. But because we're also indwelt by God, God the Holy Spirit, we can and his truth, we can walk in it and see victory. And that's what God has invited us to. The recruiting sergeant, God the Holy Spirit, shows up in our lives and says, Jesus is over here and he's recruiting a troop. Do you want to serve with him in the battle? The battle's coming. And the only victors will be those who have said yes to the recruiting sergeant. Said, yes, I do want to stand and follow, stand with and follow Jesus. And they alone, of all the sons and daughters of Adam, will be able, at the end of this age, be able to stand overwhelmed with wonder at the great reward that Jesus will put into our, the bounty, the booty, the plunder, can we say, that comes from loyal service to Jesus as he really is. As we come to the Lord's table, what are we saying? This is actually the very core of what we're talking about. We are together making a public declaration before men and angels that we trust nothing to deal, to satisfy the, the demands of a holy God. But what Jesus did for us, the world hates that. The world wants us to be religious people in the sense of walking in pride that we have been good enough in ourselves. No, we need the mercy of God. And the very core of what we are declaring to this hostile world is Jesus paid it all. I couldn't put one thin dime down on what was required by the Holy God to satisfy him in regard to the issue of my sin and sinfulness before him. Jesus paid it all. We're going to sing this chorus at the end. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washes it white as snow. He washes and we are simply on the receiving end of that. We are, his mercy comes to us. That's our core declaration. And it is the message that the world, the flesh, and the devil all together hate. But thank you, God, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that to enable us, who enables us to say that truth. Not just here 
but in the conversations that you have at the store and at the family dinner table and with your coworkers.